Hello and welcome back to Sharp Scratch. You're listening to episode 84, Compassionate Medical Schools. This is a podcast brought to you by the BMJ and sponsored by Medical Protection, where medical students, junior doctors and expert guests come together and discuss all the things you need to know to be a good doctor that you might not get taught at medical school. I'm Charlotte and I've just finished my fifth year as a medical student at the University of Oxford. I started working at the BMJ in August as the editorial scholar, looking after all the content BMJ student will be producing this year. And you might have also noticed that we have some new music today. This is to welcome in a brand new year of Sharp Scratch. Today we're joined by two new panellists, Patrick and Ramneet. Would you like to introduce yourselves? Um, hello everyone, my name is Ramneet and I am a second year graduate entry medical student at the University of Birmingham. And yeah, this is uh, my first Sharp Scratch podcast, so excited, but a little bit nervous. Uh, hello, how are you? Uh, Patrick is my name. Um, this is my first Sharp Scratch podcast as well. I'm a final year medical student at the University of Galway and I'm very excited to be joining you all today. Thanks both, it's great to have you with us. Um, and I'd also like to welcome our expert guest today, Dr Rob Jarvis. Um, could you tell us a bit about yourself, Rob? Hello everybody, my name's Rob Jarvis. I'm a, a senior lecturer at the University of Dundee. Um, I'm the lead for the Gateway Programme um, I've just started that, but actually for the last 10 years, I've been lead for student support uh, at uh, Dundee, at the medical school there, and also for the Scott Gem programme, which is our graduate entry medical programme as well. So uh, I'm a GP by background, um, that, that's my past, but actually the last five years or so, I, I was doing full-time student support. Um, so I haven't done clinical for a few years. But I'm, I'm here uh, for myself today, so it isn't necessarily the views of, of, of my university. I just need to make, make sure that that's clear. I hope that's OK. Yeah, of course. It's great to have you with us, Rob. Thank you so much. No, it's a real pleasure. Real pleasure. Any med student knows that medical school can be tough. The hours are long, the work is hard and stress can build quickly. Throughout all of this, we're taught about compassion and sort of how to be a compassionate med student and eventually a compassionate doctor. And so in this episode, we're going to kind of turn this idea on its head as we discuss medical schools as institutions and what systematic changes are needed to make them more compassionate. We'll be talking a little bit today about whether we think our medical schools are compassionate and the kind of struggle that ensues when you have compassionate individuals, but maybe not compassionate systems. Um, So Rob, to kick things off, I know you spent a lot of time thinking about this topic. And when we're sort of talking about compassion here in the context of, I guess, compassionate organisations or compassionate systems, what do we actually mean by that? Yeah, I I Thanks. I think there's been quite a lot sort of written on compassion recently, Um, especially important. People have been thinking about things like compassionate leadership. Um, I like the definition of of empathy, but with action. So a sort of a concept of compassion as as being one that shows that we're interested in, in people and individuals, the ones that work for us, our staff, our students. But actually, we try and recognize when there are issues and then actually do something about it. So I I like that as a sort of a starting point in terms of compassion. Compassionate organisations tend to be more productive, nicer places to work. Compassion within medical schools is sometimes seen as the sum of the compassion of the individuals who work within the schools. There is a lot of compassion out there uh, amongst the staff and peer-to-peer compassion between students. What I worry sometimes is that the systems that we have in place 
sometimes work against against that. And it's nobody's intention, but I think through historical um, and just cultural um, sort of norms, we've we've created systems that actually sometimes can even be harmful um, to our students. Yeah, I think that's a really great place to start with just sort of understanding what we mean by compassion. And I, I like that uh, part you said about sort of empathy with action. Um, and Patrick and Ramneet, what has your kind of experience been with your medical schools? Do you feel like medical schools as institutions are compassionate places to work and study? Well, I think it's quite interesting because I know you mentioned that it's not just, you know, you're looking at medical schools and, you know, compassionate on a level of systems and not just individuals. But I do personally think that it's still individuals themselves that obviously make up the system and it does still come down on an individual level and what compassion shown. You know, I personally think there are some aspects that, you know, the medical school has shown compassion, especially when it comes to, um, you know, for example, for myself, I have um, fibromyalgia. The university has been amazing um, and worked with me to sort of come up with a plan and shown compassion. Okay, how can we make it easier for you to succeed and go through medical school with this? But then when it comes to that's been obviously just a central university providing me help. And then when it comes to liaising with a medical school and implementing that plan, I think that's where some of sometimes the compassion gets lost and it gets um, quite difficult. And it feel I know I feel quite exhausted then having to go through that process of having to explain the impact or what help I need or what support I need. And so, yeah, so I think I have mixed feelings about it in general. Yeah, I definitely agree. I have mixed feelings about it. I think there are some parts of the system which allows for compassion and then others which are kind of rigid. So, for example, within the medical school I go to, there's mindfulness-based stress reduction practice, which is offered to students. And that's something that I did a couple of years ago and found really helped me improve my stress levels, uh, especially in those kind of younger years of uh, college. But programs like that obviously require engagement from students. And sometimes it's students who don't engage with things like that that actually need the most help. I, I'm, I'm encouraged to hear of the positives that, that you both are describing. I would hope that students from, from my medical school would say the same thing, that there are, there are strategies and there are people there who try their damnedest to, um, to help. And I think we've seen an increase in you know, the, the work that's gone into student support, um, into university student support systems, into medical student support systems over the last few years. You know, that, that role didn't exist when I was a medical student. Um, it, just, it just, there wasn't somebody who was the, the student support person. I, I would be interested to hear, you know, is there, a, is there a dedicated person in your medical schools that you know that you can go to? I, so I have two support systems. So there's one, obviously, like I mentioned earlier, in terms of central university, and then obviously just medical schools. So if I just focus on the medical schools, so we have a very specific well-being team within med school. As soon as you go in, there's the desk and there's, there's a whole office and there's a whole team dedicated for your own well-being sport. So that's quite nice to actually know that that's, you know, they're there and there's a specific team on site for you to go and pop uh, pop by and, and actually talk to you. Um, but then it also scared me when I initially heard about that because I was like, why does med the medical school itself have 
that dedicate a well-being team and no other course has that so and that was a bit of a, a shock yeah, to me yeah. when I first found out I was like oh gosh is this uh kind of indicative of what's to come is this going to be you know it's going to be stressful I'm going to be you know frequently visiting this well-being team so yeah but I am really appreciative it's there because it is draining and sometimes you do feel um physically burnt out and I'm lucky as well there's there's uh, one person who's within well-being who's so lovely and supportive like I do really appreciate that that's fantastic Ramneet in my school I would say there's one doctor in particular who's uh, fantastic about kind of championing championing um, compassion and that's Dr Eva Flynn she does a lot regarding um, student well-being and I guess uh, inspiring compassion in students as well um, sometimes uh, it must be admitted that it's hard to kind of find exactly who you're looking for when it comes to you know looking for forms to defer exams for example like every year there's you know a different year head and you might not be that familiar with that year head and then um, we also have uh, regional hospitals that we do placement in so you know you might you have a different dean at each a regional hospital and different administrators so I guess there's no kind of continuous person that you would go to look for those answers and I guess that can be definitely something that students face um, yeah. Rob I was going to ask I'm curious to see what you think the changes in uh, compassion have been since you were in college that's an that's an interesting question um, I think there's lots changed since I since I was in college. We're looking 25, 30 years ago. Um, I think the whole, you know, people have changed. The world's changed. Um, <laughs> social media, you know, the uh, the political agenda. You know, as as things have moved on, there's been an organic movement towards actually trying to set up structures to try and help students. And that's mostly been in response to an increased recognition of there potentially being more problems, that, that actually there are, there are students who struggle and, and we, we owe it to them to actually um, help them, uh, help them with that. We've taken students on at the beginning. We've said we want you to become a doctor and I think we owe a, we've got a bit of a contract with them. My, my fear a little bit is that student support is there to pick up the pieces and actually they pick up the pieces pretty damn well a lot of the time. But I think my, the thrust of my thinking recently has been, is there anything that we can do to stop the pieces having to be picked up in the first place? Rob, in your school, like, is it, um, is it also a team approach to welfare? Yes, very much. And, and, it, and in fact, coming back to Patrick's point, when, when I started as lead for student support, I was the sort of the lead for student support. So I was the guy that people went to. Um, and, and since then, I think there are five, six, seven people who are now employed. So, so yes, there's a team and they're, they're great and they work really well. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because I think in my medical school, um, we still just have one doctor in charge of welfare for the preclinical years and then for the clinical years. And I think when there's one doctor who's responsible for the well-being of three years worth of students, that's quite a lot for them to take on, first of all, when they're also working. You know, these are hospital consultants and GPs who are still practising. I think that's a lot to take on. And I think the problems with systems like that is you know students can fall through the gaps then um 
you know there can be things missed and I think that is quite that's a big challenge I think associated with student support. I'm interested in this belonging thing. Do you feel as though you belong to your institutions? Um, I don't know. I think it's an interesting question. I think, just to clarify, when you say belonging, do you mean like, do I feel like I have a place in the medical school? Do I feel comfortable and well supported there? Is that kind of what you mean by belonging? Yes. Okay. Um, I don't know. I think it's hard. I think my road through medical school has felt bumpy there's been failed exams there's been doubts about whether I wanted to do medicine or not I think you know a lot of med students can probably relate and I think you know sometimes the compassion of the medical school and for me definitely the compassion of individuals like I could not be more grateful to the the staff and the you know to some of the doctors that I've met along the way but the way the last few years have gone, I think, has definitely affected my confidence. Um, I think I'm a lot less confident now, academically, than I was before I started. And maybe that's normal. You go from doing your A-levels, you know, you might feel like a fairly big fish in a smaller pond. Um, and then you come to medical school and you're the smallest fish in the biggest pond. I guess that's- what I'm trying to say is it's complicated. It is, but I think you're illustrating when there is humanity and when there are individuals. There are some fantastic examples of people who really care. And I'm, I, I'm really pleased that you've experienced that. Um, the, the frustrating thing is that you had to feel like that in the first place, that you had to feel um, underconfident and as though things had gone downhill during your medical school experience. And I think some, there's something there about the bigger systems, about the sausage factory nature of, of, of medical, med, medical school that actually um, sometimes leads to, to those sorts of feelings in the first place. If we could do things to try and um, mitigate that as much as possible, then we might prevent people getting into situations where they're not feeling as confident as they were when they first arrived. I agree. I think, I think if it had been like that, and I think if there'd been fewer occasions where I've had to sort of, or I've thought or I've said to parents or friends, why does it have to be so hard? Why does it have to be like this? I think eliminating the number of times you have to ask those questions is what would make, would have made medical school a better place for me personally. But that's just, you know, that's just one person's experience. I'm not sure how... I mean, how I think you feel I about that, Rami? I think it is complicated, and it is. I think one day you some you do feel like you belong, and the next day you don't. But I think over time, the more and more confidence I have within, like the the support I'm getting from med school, the better it actually gets because you know you have, you know, a, a team backing you at the end of the day as well. Um, and you feel a part of a community as well, a much bigger community. So I think that that is what kind of keeps that sense of belonging to me, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely think there's been peaks and troughs with it as well is something I think is important to say. Like it hasn't, it's not all bad. It's not all good. There's been times 
where I've had a really supportive supervisor, for example, and that's made the world of difference. And, you know, for a couple of months, you feel supported and you feel like, hey, that's the kind of doctor I want to be. That's the kind of, that's why I'm in this. And that's, that's what matters. And the compassion they show you is what gets you through. But there are other times when that's maybe lacking, you know, and it's the kind of system that I'm struggling with, if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, there's been times where I found that element of it hard. But yeah. And so I think sometimes as well, I, I think it's very easy to sometimes focus and be very disheartened when a system or someone isn't compassionate. And then you suddenly take for granted the system which is compassionate. Because um, I, I think it's just, I've had times where I felt, okay, you know, I've, why why is a system like this? Why isn't it like that? But then when you reflect and think about the other, the positives of the good, I think that's what always brings me up. Yeah, definitely. And like, I think we talked about the consequences on the individual. And I don't want to go back to talking about how everything we do in medical school has to be with the purpose of making you a good doctor, because I, I find that a frustrating concept. Like, there is more to individuals than just that but if we are going to talk about that from that point of view you know a, a doctor or a medical student who who feels very underconfident who you know has changed their perception of what medicine is then surely they're not going to be the best doctor they're not going to be the happiest doctor they're not going to come to work with lots of energy to do the best by their patients and you know really I guess what I'm trying to say is you it's a lot easier to be a quote unquote good doctor if you're feeling happy and content and you know if if you're feeling okay I guess is what I'm trying to say um so I, I think it does have it does have long like long lasting consequences the the more we can build people up the more confident and happy and and content they are, and I suspect the retention rates um, of keeping people in uh, medicine actually improve. And so, if we're being completely dispassionate about this, I, th- I think from a patient care perspective, there's there's an awful lot to be said for concentrating on these aspects of compassion to to encourage the students who are at our schools to to actually grow develop um you know enjoy their their time and and move forward positively into into the world of work um rather than with a whole load of baggage and fears and 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 frustrations and you mentioned just now the consequences of compassion and we'll discuss a little bit more about that but that'll be right after this message from our sponsor indemnity You've probably not given it much thought, but it won't be long until the risk of claims and patient complaints becomes all too real. Whatever lies ahead, you need experts in your corner who offer indemnity and a whole lot more. That's why it pays to be with Medical Protection. There's our free membership during your medical school years, our wealth of training resources to help you become the best doctor you can be, and our international experience that protects you during your elective no matter how far from home you end up. In fact, There are many reasons why our members worldwide trust us to support and protect them throughout their careers. And if you're looking for one more, every week, one lucky new joiner wins £200. That's the average student weekly spend. Just join for free and you're automatically entered into the draw. 
That's why UK medical students choose to be part of medical protection. You can't blame them, so why not join them? Visit medicalprotection.org to find out more. Okay, back to the show. Just sort of on the topic of the kind of overarching system. Yeah, Rob, just in your work, have you come across any examples of like kind of key areas where like medical schools could do with being a bit more compassionate or where like, you know, you'd particularly want to try and target, I guess? I I have a few I have a few things that I've been thinking about in terms of um, things like progression um, assessment. Um, so there are some concepts that we become very familiar with in medical school. Things like merit, um, standard, being up to standard, um, being ranked. Um, the, these are these are concepts which are almost accepted as being part and parcel of the the life of a medical student, and. And I think sometimes we don't recognise the detrimental side that can come from systems which have been created. It's such a shame that the type of student who comes to medical school, they, they've had to jump through a whole load of hoops. Um, they're, they're bright, they're, uh, they're, they're passionate, they're enthusiastic, they, they, they're great uh, communicators. And for some reason at medical school, I get the impression, and I'd be interested whether this is the case for you guys, but actually sometimes y- you feel inadequate at times and feel uh, a little bit pushed down. And, uh, and our job should be to build people up and, and not, pe- not to knock people back. Um, I don't know, do it, uh, um, am, I, am I reading too much into this, Patrick? Definitely not. Charlotte, I think Ramley, so, what do you anyway. think? It's it's something that's really struck me, especially, I guess, as I'm coming towards my uh, last year of uh, medical school and I'm kind of looking towards jobs in the future. And I'm kind of only realizing now that when I'm applying for like a basic uh, training scheme, like a basic specialist scheme that, oh, there's like there's this whole point system where if you've got research or if you're published and your class ranking are all kind of taken into account. And it kind of, we had, we had a talk um, a couple of weeks ago from some of the uh, interns and they were talking about, oh, if you've had a PhD, you know, that's really helpful. And I'm just kind of sitting here like, was it not just enough to come and <laughs> show up and, <laughs> and go to my lectures and pass my exams? Um, but y- yeah, definitely when you put uh, kind of, 200 people in a class together who have had to get you know good grades and who are competitive and you put them in an environment together that breeds kind of a competition that isn't really reflective of the kind of ideals that you'd hope for in a doctor if you were a patient so ultimately it's safety and practice that we're striving for and not you know, a first or a gold medal or a citation in a great publication or something like that. That's uh, interesting to hear you say that. I, I, I think there's something there about standards, isn't there? Um, that, that, that being up to standard is really important. Medicine's a past degree that has high standards. Most people who graduate are like me. Um, I did not get honours. And they uh, and and they're a doctor, and that's really I think that's really important because then the public trust the doctors, and they don't ask you, are you an A grade doctor, are you a B grade doctor? Um, you know that that just doesn't exist. 
Um, it's just you're a doctor and you've reached that high standard to actually qualify. And and actually there was, I think in my day, a little bit more of a, well, if you pass, it's it's a high standard, but if you pass, you're going to be okay. Yeah, I think something that's really hard with medicine is it it can often feel like the goalposts are constantly moving. Like there's always there's always something more that you could be doing. You could always be a better medical student. Um, and that can be really hard. One of the things I think it's really important for us to talk about is how medical schools are compassionate or why they sometimes aren't compassionate. Um, and like we mentioned earlier, I think for me, a lot of it boils down to flexibility. Patrick Remney, I was wondering if you had any experiences of sort of, well, wondering if you had any thoughts on why medical schools are or aren't compassionate places to study. Um, I think this is quite a difficult one, actually, because I think there's also, because obviously you're training, you go through medical school and you know that the end result as well, when you become a junior doctor, you're going to be thrust into a workplace environment, which is going to be quite brutal. Maybe sometimes some people think that actually we need to be a little bit strict. We can't show that much compassion because at the end of the day, they're going to be working in an organisation environment where they will, you know, it will be tough for them. So they need to climb those, we need to build their resilience to cope with that. I, I think there's a different way of approaching it, which is to think about resilience in terms of, um, if I say coping strategies, the, you know, actually developing that as as your resilience bundle. Um, I, yes, yes, I think that's important. But but this, this, this concept of, you know, having to do hardship and therefore medical school is right to be hard because it's going to be hard in the future. There's, I think there's a challenge there with, with that as a concept. Yeah, and I wonder as well, um, Rob, when you and I spoke before, we talked about how potentially some of this is about upholding kind of potentially quite archaic public perceptions of medicine to ensure that people kind of keep their faith in the profession as a whole and I guess in this context you can sort of imagine a scenario where someone says you know surely a doctor can't be that good if they've failed their exams five times but you know that means that we only let medical students retake once which like from my experience I know can be really really stress inducing and cause a lot of anxiety but you mentioned driving earlier we don't do that with the driving test you know you can take your driving test as many times as you want and you know, a big proportion of the public still continue to drive despite this. So maybe we've got this idea of the kind of public perception of things a little bit wrong. So we have these levels, these standards for patient safety reasons, and they're there for public trust reasons. And those are the two foundations on which a lot of decisions about systems are made. I've attended a lot of boards, exam boards, progression boards, um, termination of studies, committee meetings, those, those sorts of things. And, and those concepts, public trust in the profession and also patient safety are very much the cornerstones of the why certain decisions are made. The difficulty is, and maybe what, you, what you're highlighting, Charlotte, is for those students who maybe do fail a year you know there's there's maybe some rule about they can't fail another one um otherwise they're going to get chucked out for for them you've then got something actually sort of being really negative which is actually potentially impacting on the confidence and well-being of of that student and also all of of all their colleagues 
who understand and talk to each other and 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 you know see the medical school as being something that actually seems to be less than compassionate towards that student who maybe had very good re- reasons for for not passing first time around um i was just going to ask you rob do you think when you're in meetings like that about termination of studies etc or you know exam uh, board meetings um do you feel as though compassion is lacking among the clinical directors or or the other kind of professors and academics there i think they are compassionate people and i think they find it very difficult um i was actually in a meeting yesterday with a with a, a dean of a medical school who said it uh, that the termination of studies meeting is the most difficult meeting he has to go to each year um and uh it, and he finds it really really traumatic in some ways, they are they are working within parameters themselves. Deans, you know, can't step outside of because of these sorts of concepts about public trust and uh, and about patient safety and maintaining those standards. If I were able to rule the world, um, I'm, I might extend those um, those sort of central pillars to actually include something that had something to do with um, student and learner well-being and confidence. I think we're getting to that sort of stage. Um, I, 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 I'd like to see the argument sort of um, discussed a little bit more um, as, as to whether some of those sort of core things that the GMC talk about might be, might be extended. I guess a lot of what we've talked about can kind of be summed up by thinking about how medical schools as systems maybe don't always think about the fact that medical students are just people and they're not um, kind of just on this conveyor belt to being a doctor and there's a real person behind a lot of all this stuff that happens. I I think you're right I think with large numbers of students it's it's an unfortunate side effect of you know uh, trying to get a lot of people through um, you know a a qualification and to maintain standards at a really high level Um, and it and it is difficult for medical schools to 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 you know to to maintain that human human element in my medical school we have an exam system that grades people and even though they're achieving these really high scores um, in order to to progress to the next year we still have to separate those people into a's b's c's and d's and so so a student who actually progresses and is going okay and is going not just okay but is doing well and is going into the next year and is going to be a doctor we are giving those students d grades and i'm not sure that that's a fantastic message from a you know the sort of building the confidence of of that person uh so i I think you're i think you're dead on there rob uh i remember last year we had a lecture with one of our tutors and she was tutoring us on how to perform well in the oski and you know these are the questions you need to ask about for psychiatry and make sure you always do a risk assessment and then if you do all of these things you know you could be really looking at like a 70 something percent grade or whatever and um i was talking to one of the canadians afterwards who did an undergraduate degree in Canada where they're used to like a different bell curving system and he was like why is it that the student who is the most successful gets in the 70s do you know what I mean that it's that it's like the best student in the class could get 76 percent or something like that but I think we have to be very careful and to recognize that they they actually have human consequences um that that, that people actually you know take those things to heart 
And maybe there's some thought that competition actually encourages hard work. But I think there's quite a lot in the literature that actually says if if you have a pass-fail system, there is no difference in the amount of work that students put in in order to get through their medical school exams. So, you know, I I suppose my, my point is it doesn't have to be like that. I think it'd be quite uh, disheartening, especially when you've got loaded consecutive exams coming up um, and then you've got like results being released. Um, and then you'd get like obviously the whole cohort, you know, a massive table about where like anonymously, but like the number of people who got X mark and the number of people who got this mark. And I think initially you'd feel that happiness when you just figure out just finding out that you've passed. But then when you see these graphs and these tables that, that suddenly high of feeling like, oh gosh, I've passed, I've done really well, just goes, you know, just plummets. And then it's so hard to then pick yourself up and then motivate yourself again. And I think, you know, and that's, you know, quite a lot of students shared that as well, saying it can be quite, you know, demoralised as well and you feel quite low. So yeah, I just wanted to add that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that feeling... Yeah, <laughs> from the look of mm-hmm. it, me and Patrick both really mm-hmm. relate to that because that feeling of opening yeah. an email and seeing pass and then reading a little bit further and realising mm-hmm. that you've just scraped by, mm-hmm. it does completely change mm-hmm. your feeling about it and your confidence dips massively, I 100%. think. The amount of mental health walks I've been on after receiving those results <laughs> just to sort of clear my mind and get back into the zone, but yeah. Comparison is the tea for joy, absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> you know, we sort of laugh about how we've all kind of related to this feeling but you know it can be it can be really hard I think like it's yeah I think Mm -hmm. small things like that you know get how you get your exam results what that looks like and what that means for you can have Mm -hmm. you know that can really change your relationship with your degree but also Mm -hmm. your self-esteem your self-worth it has consequences I think in some ways, I'm, I'm pleased to hear you say what you're saying because it reinforces some of the things that I've been thinking. I'm disappointed that all of you are, you know, can, can almost associate with these feelings that actually, you know, you guys, you, you recognise that, you know, this, this can actually be a burden. Um, there will be those who will be arguing that it's feedback and we need to learn how to use feedback. I think there is some messaging that can come with it. I think there is some positive messaging that can come, that can say, that's fantastic, you've passed. You're going to be a great doctor. And really think about when it is important to actually separate students and why we are separating students and what is the purpose of that separation. We don't think about that enough. But like it's another thing, say, for example, if you do an essay and then get that back and you get kind of specific pointers on like, oh, how to structure that or a case report, you know, how that was like uh, well written or badly written or whatever, that that, that can be a lot more uh, useful individual feedback rather than just, you know, you got 62 grant, nothing I can change, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> And, yeah. there, and there, Patrick, you, you, you're, you're coming back to that humanising thing that, that maybe Charlotte was talking about earlier on, that actually you're thinking about you as an individual and thinking about what what feedback and help could actually come to you that might be able to, you know, improve and develop. It has this extra humanising, I'm an individual, I, you know, I, 
I, I have a certain context in which I have sat this exam and and for a school to recognise that that's what I've been through to get to this position. Yeah, and I think then as well, it would it would allow us to develop better doctors and maintain students' well-being, which from the sounds of it are the two things that we're trying to balance. And I think we'll finish off by talking a little bit more about what needs to change in order to make medical schools better places, but that'll be right after this advert. I'm Dr Matt Morgan, and alongside working as an intensive care consultant, I work as part of the BMJ On Examination team to support you in passing your medical exams. You can get access to our personalised revision resource online and in our app for years 1 to 3, totally free, as well as a huge 40% discount on our medical student finals product. We'll help you pass your exams by making sure to maximise the best use of your time. We'll deliver you the most important questions, keep you on track with daily reminders and give you feedback to show how you're performing. We're committed to making revision easy, so start your journey to passing first time today by visiting onexamination.com to sign up or by downloading the On Examination app. Okay, back to the show. So, what needs to change? What can med schools do to be more compassionate? There's a couple of things that I've thought about before. Um, I know there was a great report that was produced by the GMC just a few years ago um, when Dame Claire Marks was the uh, was the, like the chair. Um, there's Michael West and Denise Coyer actually wrote a report called "Caring for Doctors, Caring for Patients," and it were, and within that they they broke down their sort of ideas about compassion and 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 how we can do things better in terms of autonomy, in terms of belonging, um, and in terms of competence. Now I think actually medical schools have really worked really hard on on the sort of the competence side of things. They they try they try and get us to be as good as we can. And I think they are they are working hard on on the belonging bit. I I think there's an issue with autonomy. Um, I think that's maybe slightly easier in the world of work. Um, but at medical school it's much more constrained. Uh, I guess the curriculum is designed to be standardized and uh, doesn't always allow for meaningful accommodations for individual students. Um, One thing that I found was helpful was uh, when we're submitting our essays, uh, we have only very minor penalties if they're late. So for example, last year, I had three essays due at the same time and uh, I had to submit one of them late because I just didn't have enough time and you were meant to do them over Christmas and you know Christmas time came and went and I didn't even (laughs) touch them Um, so I do think as much as uh, medical skills can they have to uh, promote uh, accommodations for individual students because depending on what someone has going on in their personal life you just never know uh, you know what's happening or what's going on so you're actually you're actually saying that they had a process which actually allowed you a degree more autonomy that like it's just a, i guess a small concession to take uh for submitting it late but you still have the deadline which kind of promotes that stress of okay let's get it done and i agree with what you're saying patrick about how you know the deadline helps to like get you 
motivated through things and stuff but I think there's also something there about why did you even need to be docked five percent you know it's like for like you mentioned about what different students have going on in their personal lives why is there such a payoff sometimes for looking after yourself or for managing the things that are going on in your own life it's the Christmas holidays I and you've got three essays to your <laughs> once. It just sounds, yeah. <laughs> sounds unpleasant, you know. paying for my therapy. <laughs> there would be colleagues who would, who would argue that um, there will be times in the future where you need to get things in at, at a certain time on a certain date. Um, and sometimes they do need deadlines in order to get things organised and get things sorted. But to, but to explain that, to explain this is why we need it and this is, this is, this is what's going on and, and there has to be a deadline because of this reason, I, th- I think would be important. Yeah, I agree. Just so much of it is about good communication. Just before we wrap up, I was just wondering if anyone had any kind of final thoughts I also just thought in terms of graduate students, I think sometimes the support that they require is a bit different to, um, or like just mature students in general as well who might be doing an undergraduate programme. You know, just for talking to peers uh, who are also in the graduate programme with me, like for example, if you have a family and you have children, it's just, you know, I thought sometimes it'd be quite nice to sort of have that sort of specialist sort of service into, in medical schools, which would be quite good t- and tailored toward those students. It's, so Ra- Ramney, you're coming back to humanity there, aren't you? You're coming back to actually treating people as individuals, and as much as medical schools can, I think I think there is something um, you know on us to try and be as humane and individual and 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 to think about you know the, what what those different individuals actually have to go through. And the more that we can do that, the 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 better I think the students are going to feel you know, a better trust with, with, with the school and more confidence in the decisions that the school actually makes. Yeah, and I think that is a great note to end on. A really interesting conversation and it's made me reflect on a lot of aspects of medical school. Um, and thanks to everyone at home for joining us as well for this episode of Sharp Scratch. If you like the show, I'd love it if you could support us by leaving a review wherever you get your podcasts or by sharing with the people you know. Tell your friends about it. That really helps people to find the show. And please keep in touch as well. I'd love to hear your thoughts. You can find us on social media with BMJ Student on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. If you'd like to hear other episodes, subscribe to Sharp Scratch wherever you get your podcasts and in two weeks' time, you'll be notified of our next episode. Until then, goodbye from us. <laughs>